high school students, art enthusiasts, and now podcasters. If you hear this, you have been lucky enough to stumble upon our podcast, Books, Ballads, and B-Roll. Keep listening if you enjoy hearing about literature, music, and movies. Today, we're going to share our thoughts on some very controversial media. Specifically, we're going to talk about George Orwell's Animal Farm, the three Star Wars prequels, and Taylor Swift's song Better Than Revenge. We'll start with Animal Farm. This 1945 novella by George Orwell is a satirical allegory critiquing the Russian Revolution of 1917 and the Stalinist era of Soviet Union's history that followed. It involves anthropomorphic animals who rebel against human farmers in hopes of creating a farm where they can live in freedom, equality, and happiness. However, the rebellion degrades as it's taken over by autocratic pigs, first Snowball and then Napoleon, who mislead the other animals and ultimately bring the farm to a similar state as it was when under human control. The story overtly criticizes the Russian Revolution as failing to live up to its ideals, and its leaders as having become the same as the rulers the revolution originally tried to escape. When I read it first, I was kind of taken aback by the critique of communism because it didn't seem to me like the way that it was presented was actually very similar to communism. I felt like it read more as a critique of authoritarianism and autocratic leaders, and I was kind of surprised afterward to learn that it had meant to be a critique of communism. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of Russian Revolution symbolism. Farmer Jones seems to represent Tsar Nicholas II. Snowball probably represents Trotsky, and Napoleon would be Stalin, as the two were often head-to-head, with Stalin eventually coming out on top and exiling him. Old Major the Pig, who initially has the idea that sparks the animal revolution, I think probably represents Karl Marx, though others have said he represents Lenin. And I'm not really sure which is right, because... On one hand, Lenin was often nicknamed the old man, so I guess old major could be a play on that. However, I feel like Lenin was more concerned with consolidating power, and he ended up having hundreds of thousands of people killed. I think he's just been painted with kind of rose-colored lenses. After all the things that Stalin did, people thought, oh, Lenin was so much better. But that's not entirely accurate. So I think that old major, who seems to be a pretty noble pig, is probably more similar to Marx. However, I don't really know. Yeah, so based on that interpretation, it's kind of unclear whether the book is meant to critique communism as a whole or specifically just like the way the Russian Revolution played out and Stalin's leadership. Like you said, it does seem like he sort of paints the original idea of the animals in a positive light. At first, they sort of were happy and free when they escaped the human's control, and Old Major is definitely portrayed as a positive character, so it could be seen as more of a critique of how the Russian Revolution failed to uphold the ideals of communism that it initially claimed to represent. Yeah, and I think Orwell was an anarchist. I think he was also like, he was supposedly a democratic socialist, although it's kind of unclear whether that was his true ideology or whether he was trying to infiltrate democratic socialist circles for his own purposes. Yeah, Uh, and it definitely seems like there is some type of anti-communist agenda with this book, even if it's specifically seeming to target the Russian Revolution. 
mm-hmm. because the Information Research Bureau, a British propaganda organization that has published a lot of disinformation about communism and anti-colonial movements, Orwell actually gave the rights to his works to this organization, and they translated his works into many languages and distributed it to other countries, and they even created cartoon strips of Animal Farm to put in newspapers. They also often created smear campaigns targeting activists. So it seems like he was Mm. pretty aligned with them, too. And also, another possible critique is that this book kind of makes the animals seem dumb and easily manipulated. Yeah, Which I guess is him kind of saying that people who are too idealistic can Mm. often end up being easily fooled and Yeah, and maybe it could be interpreted as like, he thinks that the idea of communism might be not necessarily a bad idea, but that people who like blindly believe in it might be like the animals kind of foolish and being easily manipulated. So yeah, anyway. But anyway, those are our takes on Animal Farm. Obviously controversial topic. Yeah. We can draw a lot of parallels to current events and lots of different people might draw different parallels depending on their own political bias. Okay, so next we have the Star Wars prequels. Yes, so these movies are less controversial necessarily because of political ideology and more so because of the quality of the movies and the characters (laughs) and just the the way the movies were made. But these movies, uh, as a general summary, follow the childhood and younger years of Luke Skywalker's father, Darth Vader, who is obviously the main villain of the original three movies of Star Wars. And so Anakin Skywalker is his name, and he starts out as a sweet little boy and a fairly sympathetic character, but various tragic events and turmoil in his teenage years culminate in him rising to ultimately join the dark side. As Anakin transforms, the trilogy also follows the decline of an organization known as the Galactic Republic and the Order of Jedi Masters, and the concurrent rise of the Dark Empire that will then go on to be led by Darth Vader. It does deal with themes of the decline of democratic institutions and the rise of sort of autocratic leaders, which is something that we could draw a parallel with Animal Farm. I think that although some critiques of the prequel movies are definitely valid, I also feel like they are more interesting than the sequels, hmm. or, and also more interesting than the originals. First of all, it's an interesting political commentary, and also there's, there's cooler lightsaber battles, hmm. more like hand-to-hand combat, and also That's true. I feel like Anakin has a lot of character development a lot more so than Luke Skywalker because you watch him going from being a sweet little boy to growing into this monster and you empathize with him in a way because of what happened to his mother Mm. uh, and how Palpatine has kind of manipulated him and his fears that everyone will leave him and that Padme will die. It's also impossible to justify his actions and you feel repulsed by his killing of innocent people. So the viewer kind of has to ask themselves how far they're willing to go to keep rooting for Anakin. 
I think it's just more complex in that way and mm-hmm. more emotional. The scene in the end, for example, where he's fighting Obi-Wan is one of the saddest in Star Wars, in my opinion. That's true. Yeah. And also depicts a more complex view of the Jedi because you have to ask yourself, is the Jedi Code forbidding Anakin to get married really right or is it repressive? And there's a lot of just complex political relations that both good and bad and corrupt people get wrapped up in, while in the originals it's really just more good versus evil. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also ideas of free choice, because you wonder, did the Jedi mistreating Anakin from a young age because they could tell he would turn evil, have some responsibility for his eventual transformation, or was this path more inevitable, and did the prophecy become self-fulfilling? I would agree with all those points that you made. Although I would say that Luke is not necessarily a character that you couldn't empathize with. Yeah, I agree um, you could empathize with him. Yeah. It's just like, it's more simple to empathize mm-hmm. with him. I that's true, like. that's true. Okay, so I agree that like the, the prequels have sort of a more complex take on the main characters and it's less cut and dry, like good and bad. However, what I would say is that premise is a good premise, but I don't know whether I would think that it was executed in a very well done manner because I kind of felt like just various aspects of the dialogue and the way that characters acted made them seem like not very realistic or kind of flat in some circumstances even if they were having these events that should bring about character growth. I don't know like as an example I felt kind of like there are moments that were humorous that the original three movies kind of didn't have many moments of humor or like jokes between characters but I almost felt like the attempts at bringing humor into it kind of detracted from the otherwise like somber tone of the events that were going on and kind of made it feel like strange and forced. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Like characters like George Vinks, he was like kind of an unnecessary addition. Yeah. And I think he did ruin the, the vibes. Yeah, and there were also, I mean, the other thing about characters like Jar Jar Binks was that the creatures they created were all kind of strange and were depicted in a way that could be almost seen as a racist caricature. Or I've seen some interpretations of it as something like that because some of the characters seem to be reminiscent of certain like accents or certain ethnicities that make them seem kind of like a strange like mocking version of various groups of people. And it's unclear if that was the intent, but might be possibly just uh, a result of the biases that were present in the people making the movie. And I also think that besides that, Jar Jar Binks and other like alien characters especially were sort of hard to identify with as real characters. They were I, not very I agree in a way, but I also think another reason why maybe people don't like certain characters was because they were so attached to the originals and they had a mm. lot of sentimentality for them so when they saw that for example Yoda wasn't a puppet and there was more CGI yeah. they didn't really like that but I think that yeah. part is more just a reflection of the time yeah, of when they true. were made so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing I mean I kind of personally felt like the CGI was a little bit over the top it was giving like uncanny valley because it was so like almost hyper realistic in the way that the CGI was done it made the characters look just sort of almost grotesque hmm. and like strange I kind of I didn't know. mind that because I felt like it kind of went with Star Wars that's being true on, like, that's true completely different planets yeah and stuff. 
So that's true. I didn't notice that so much. Okay, so next we're going to talk about the song "Better Than Revenge," and by Taylor is, Swift. Yes, obviously. Um, and this is a song from Taylor Swift's album "Speak Now," which she wrote in her late teens. And basically, this is just a very vengeful and angry song where she takes many swings at this girl who she thinks stole her boyfriend. And so Taylor has been. Re-recording most of her albums as she didn't have ownership of her work due to a deal she signed at 15. Uh, I think this guy Scooter Braun bought the masters to her first six albums and, according to Taylor, was manipulative and bullied her. So, to Taylor Swift, owning her artwork is really important since she writes all her own songs and cares very deeply about her work. So recently, she re-recorded Speak Now, and the new version of Better Than Revenge is missing the controversial lyric that was in the first one. Uh, In the original, she sings, she's better known for the things that she does on the mattress, which many Swifties said was misogynistic. So in the newer version, she sings, he was a moth to the flame she was holding the matches instead. I think Swifties are very divided on this, because some Mm -hmm. prefer the new version. So in my opinion, I feel like although the original lyric is a bit misogynistic, it's also better. And it reflects where she was at the time as a teenager, whereas the new one sounds more like 33-year-old Taylor who has done a lot of self-reflection. And I feel like that's, first of all, not the best decision if she wanted to devalue her old works, because a lot of people have been her fan for over a decade and have known the song to be a certain way for years, so it will be hard for them to get used to the new lyric, and they'll probably end up just streaming the old one. Hmm. And I just feel like the whole song is already tearing down another woman, so she might as well keep doing that and (laughs) not change the lyric. So for me, I guess, as someone who is not, I cannot consider myself a Swifty, simply not because I don't like Taylor Swift, but (laughs) just because I'm not very knowledgeable about the Taylor Swift body of work. I'll indoctrinate Um, you. I, well, I sort of, based on what you've said and looking at the lyrics and listening to the song, I kind of agree that the whole tone of the song is like bombarding this other girl. And so I feel like, changing one lyric doesn't really change the whole tone of the song and I kind of feel like it does it the new lyric it just doesn't match as well like you said with the rest of the song so I kind of agree that like that was the era she was in at that time that was like what she was going through and yeah she might have had some opinions or like feelings about other people that in retrospect she might think of as she regrets them but I feel like changing the lyric doesn't really change that and I don't know. I feel like if she she wants to sort of move past that era, she can make new songs that are different. Yeah, I, I agree. Know. I feel like if she wrote a song saying that now, then it would, be, would be a weird. little weird because yeah. um, that's not yeah. really the stage of her life she's in. Uh-huh. However, since she's trying to re-record the song she wrote when she's she was like 18, I mean, the song even starts with her saying, now go stand in the corner and think about what you did. <laughs> so it's clearly yeah. a very like purely like angry yeah. song. And, and like that's uh, yeah, the tone is supposed to be like kind of reprimanding her, yeah. uh, like the other person, like in a, in a sort of like almost like a teacher reprimanding a student sort of way or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Ultimately, I think that this is a really good song because mm. it's just really fun, 
And um, it's a fun song. It's so fun. It's a bop. It is. Um, and <laughs> some could even say it's a feminist song because she calls the boy a toy on the playground, whereas、wow. she calls the girl like she makes the girl a whole human and like sings the whole song about her. That's so, true. That's、I、true. And I guess like obviously on this podcast, pod, <laughs> sorry, obviously on this podcast we do not condone misogyny. Yes. But we also. I don't think, like I don't think she was intending to be misogynistic, and I don't think she meant it to be like a critique of women in general, specifically women who are like taking other people's boyfriends. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if Taylor wrote a song about getting revenge on me because I would be、wow. happy to just be included. Wow, <laughs> you're just completely and utterly Taylor Swift follower forever. Yes. No matter、so、what、true. she does. Wow. But are you sure you're not becoming like the animals in Animal Farm? <laughs> that's true. That's the connection between、mm-hmm. the song. Taylor is like Taylor is like Napoleon. The, Napoleon in the, the pig. <laughs> yes. Because she is controlling her followers and、yeah. misleading them and into doing whatever she says. Someday I'll、mm-hmm. realize, and then it will be too late. And then she will have already formed an autocratic. A dictatorship, communist dictatorship, <laughs> and it will be too、yes. late to stop. Ah. So yeah, thank you for listening. Yes, thank. Oh, <laughs> thank you for listening. Farewell. Farewell.